Hello, hello. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. And as I mentioned before, we are re-releasing previously released episodes for August so I can take some time off for, for healing and rejuvenation. I have chosen some episodes that were meaningful to me in one way or another. And this episode is from a woman named Lisa Lackey, who is one of the premier therapists in Chicago. And it's funny. I I knew Lisa from afar from a really long time and kind of had put her on a pedestal. And I remember early in, you know, when, when we were starting to talk, just feeling, feeling so honored that she was interested in connecting with me. And now she's somebody who I know that I can go to with, with absolutely anything. And she's one of the most generous clinicians. I mean, I know a lot of generous clinicians, but for somebody of Lisa's caliber to be so generous is just truly exceptional. Lisa herself, she identifies as a black woman, and she's been doing a lot of work in the anti-racism realm lately. And we don't really talk a lot about that in this episode, but the way that she's combining anti-racism work with empathy and compassion is I think truly what needs to happen in this country overall right now. So I really, really wanted to to share with you again Lisa's wisdom. So let me tell you a little bit more about her before you hear from her directly. Lisa has worked in the field of addiction and trauma since 1994. She's driven by the passion to support persons as they journey toward resolution from the inside out. Her clinical expertise is in the treatment of sexual addiction, trauma, and other addictions. She's worked as a pastor, leadership development consultant, and public speaker in a variety of venues. She loves learning and teaching what she learns. Her passion for what she does makes her a dynamic and compassionate therapist and an engaging speaker who connects as easily with individuals as she does with large audiences. And you can also check out, she has a podcast called Inside Out Conversations. So make sure you check the show notes to find all the ways that you can connect with Lisa. And please enjoy our conversation. Hello, Lisa Lackey. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hello, Sarah Bueno. <laughs> How are you on this frigid day? You know what? I am feeling really good today. I don't have a lot going on. So I get to do some things that I don't normally get to do. I'm jealous. <laughs> I guess today is pretty much my connection day because I had a breakfast meeting this morning and I have a lunch meeting today. So yeah. Okay. All right. I can be okay too. Thank you for that modeling. That's right. And is <laughs> those meetings that you had, are they social or business? Both. You know how it is. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And I got to get on that calendar too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. While we're talking about our relationship, I mean, I guess we can tell people how we met. And truthfully, I don't really remember when we met because I feel like since I've gotten in the field, I always knew who you were. And I don't remember. Do you remember the first time we met? Sarah, I actually think the first time we met was at that little coffee shop in your neighborhood. No way. I think that's the time that we first actually met. We may have seen each yeah, other yeah. at events and stuff like that, but you yeah. know, actually being able to sit down and talk and it was the same thing. And in this field, you know, people's names mm-hmm. and you feel like you've met them and right? it can be years before you do. And in some cases, Never actually meet face to face. Yeah. Well, you're you're definitely right that that was the first time that we got to know each other, for sure. Yeah. 
But you've always been someone that, just so people know what a big deal Lisa is, she has an incredible reputation in our field. And you're just known for being an exceptional clinician and also an amazing person. So I am very excited that you agreed to do this. Well, thank you. And I am excited too. Yeah. So why don't we start off hearing a little bit more about your history? How did you become this exceptional clinician with the stellar reputation? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Where do I start? I know. I know. Well, you know what? I am certainly one of those people that what you see is what you get. And so the story is the same wherever I go. And Mm -hmm. depending on who it is and where it is, there might be more or less information. But how I became was in the process of becoming. My passion in my work lies in, first of all, I know that it's calling. I know that it's something that in one form or another I've been doing all my life. My favorite question as a kid was why? (laughs) And when I got that answer, it was why, 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 why? And it's just fascinating for me to not just understand the surface of things or people or myself, but I think I was just born with this insatiable desire and commitment to go deeper and to look at the roots, not just the leaves on the tree. And and my own recovery, I tell people that I probably qualify for more programs than I could ever go to meetings for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh-huh. I qualify, I used to say from the day I was born, and now I say from the day I was conceived. And that's not a sad story to me. It's just part of my story. And so lots of addictions of all varieties on both sides of my family and my own addictive behaviors and the availability and access that I had initially to just healing in these darker parts of my life were not formal initially. You know, there has always been a relationship with God, even before I knew that's what that was. And it's a very relaxed, open, loving relationship. But it took me a very long time to realize that the way I love God, God loved me even more. And I believed that for other people for a lot of years, but I didn't even know that I didn't believe that for myself until I began to believe that for myself. And I think that if I had to identify the most difficult part of my recovery, everything is definitely getting that validation externally rather Mm -hmm. than internally. Preach. (laughs) Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I came from one side of my family where it was really about image management and stuff was going on, but it was about image management. This wasn't so much in my household. Like when I talk about my family of origin, I talk about my extended family because we all lived in the same 
area and were very connected, at times very enmeshed. But the image was important, and it was a silent and strong and clear message. And what I began to unravel as an adult was that that image management for me translated to just lots of shame for absolutely doing something as little as making a mistake, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. of course, the bigger things that were failures. So. I got lots and lots of help. I tell my clients that I haven't only sat in the chair, but I've sat on lots of couches and floors and everything else. And so I have been on this journey for decades and will continue to the day that I die because I have to do my work. It's like, I don't have a choice. Maybe some people have a choice, but I don't have a choice. I know I would be like really jacked up if I ever decided Mm -hmm. that I could go go it on my own. And so I'm an ordained clergy person and did that for a number of years as well. And then just realized that my passion was really the recovery side of things and Mm -hmm. uh, walking with people through their journey, not just with them, but through their journey. Yeah. The way that you talk about, it's like we're compelled to do our own healing work. I think that's why we have such a kinship with each other is we both feel that like, I don't know if you think of it this way, but I definitely think it's my higher power, like constantly pushing me, not in a directive sort of way to be like, oh, you have to do this, but just like, You have to do this. Like, this is your mission in this lifetime. Absolutely. And for me, I think more than a push, because that's what I felt outside of me a lot, you know, was lots of pushing to do this or to do that. And especially, Mm -hmm. you know, if you show any bit of talent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, yeah. And you best represent. You get pushed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. You get pushed. I think my higher power has drawn me and drawn me with Mm. just incredible love and acceptance and lots of challenging Mm -hmm. and in a drawing way. Yeah, I like that, that idea of drawing. I'm getting like an image of almost like open arms, like a, a mother would do to a child being like, come on. Like you can walk, you can do what you need to do. I'm right here. I'll catch you. Yeah. And you know what? For me, it's more of an image that is not male or female, just Mm -hmm. spiritual Mm -hmm. and just standing solidly in place Mm. and energetically drawing me. Mm. Like the essence of who I am, Mm. the essence of who God is. Wow. What is that? Like what one of the things that I would really love to study and be able to make more concrete for people is what is it that separates those of us who feel that that draw, that constant need to self-reflect and self-examine versus people who live in denial? Hmm. I don't know. You what? You, know, you I, don't know? I, you don't I, have this shit all well, figured out, Lisa? <laughs> Well, I don't. No, I well don't. shit. 
And I still every day live in some denial, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, when when I pick up a brownie and it's not good for me. <laughs> I, you know, I am definitely in denial. Oh, the brownie of denial. That's right. When I think I can say the same thing once again to my kids, but this time yeah, it'll yeah. be different. I'm in denial, but mm-hmm. I think for me, we're all spiritual or I'll use inner changeably with that energetic beings. And if we're able to few things that come to mind, slow down. Yes. Inside and outside just enough. Yeah. Then we can experience that part of who we are that is always there. And because of all the noise that we create or that we just live in by virtue of being in this world. Sometimes we miss that. I think the other thing is practice. It's making space. And I'm not talking about everybody can't make space an hour, hours, but making space for that God part of me, that energy part of me to communicate and for me to hear And sometimes it's very practical. Like, you know what? When I hear my higher power the most, I'm cleaning my house. (laughs) I'm washing my dishes. I'm cooking mindfully instead of just throwing things. I'm taking a shower. And I think that because at those times, that's really all that I'm focused on. And so there's room to have that connection. Yeah. And our society, our culture doesn't value space like that. Mm, No. I don't know about you, but that seems to be the theme with most of my clients is that whatever addiction they've gotten themselves into, it's usually a product of trying to either create a feeling that they can't get in their normal lives because they're too busy or it's because they're trying to numb the feeling of whatever negative feeling it is created by (laughs) the life that they've been living. Right. And it's like you said, like even when you think about, in my case, having children and the difference between the world my children grew up in versus the world that I grew up in where there was more space, you know, for quiet. And so the challenge for us becomes kind of resisting the pull of the noise. Right. And intentionally making space for quiet and reflection and being with and connection. Yeah. Just like we make ourselves space to do all that busy stuff we do. And some of that busy stuff for me gets less busy when I can be quiet because then I figure out a way to do things not with my head, you know, Yeah. but intuitively. Absolutely. One of the reasons I really wanted you on the podcast is because I think you're such an advocate for therapists doing their own work. And one of the things I really try to stress to my students is in school, they don't teach you about your clinical intuition it's kind of a thing that we've lost to this push for evidence-based practice just so that we can get the reimbursement. But intuition, both personally as a human and professionally as a clinician, 
has to be cultivated. We all have it, but we have to, like you said, create space and slow down in order to get in touch with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is all just me and my spirituality. I mean, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah, the, yeah. The practical things are that I love to learn. And so I constantly avail myself to training and being mm-hmm. taught mm-hmm. and not always in the position of the expert. Right. So I always tell people when I go to my therapist's office, it's no problem. I am the client. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You I know? have no problem being the client. Like, please, I want to be the client more often. I have so many different therapists and healers. I can't yes. even. I just can't even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting to me. I just use my students as an example because I think it's just really interesting to be young in the field and have this expectation of what it's like to be a therapist, what one is supposed to do, think, say, feel in order to be a therapist. And when I get the pushback reaction, when I tell my students, y'all should be in therapy and they're like, Mm. what? Like, that's crazy. And I use myself as an example to share with them, like, you're going to keep struggling. You don't arrive. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything and you're going to be able to heal everyone and help everyone. (laughs) Right. Heal yourself first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not as though there's an end point. Mm-hmm. It's like, I got to go first. Right. <laughs> you know, I cannot. Otherwise, I become a very low ceiling for my clients. Yes. Right. I've come to believe for myself that because my healing is primary, that taking care of others and being a good therapist is just a byproduct of my own mission. Exactly. And I think the other thing for me, Sarah, I came in later. I didn't come in as a young clinician. I guess I had already done that because I came in as a young minister. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when I came into this profession, I probably didn't have the innocence that some people do when they Mm -hmm. are coming into it right out of school. My path was not a direct path. I took lots of twists and turns in all areas of my life. Yeah. Let's shift to, because we've dropped the H-bomb, the word healer. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that word does or doesn't apply to you. That word is who I am. Hmm. I love to hear you say that. It's not what I do. Yeah. There's been... And continues to be lots of healing in my own life, all kinds of areas. And there always has been. It's like cycle in, cycle out, cycle in, cycle out. So I feel like that's just who I am without even thinking about it. I love that because one of the things that I find when I ask that question is, Many people want to distance themselves from the title of healer. It is, I think, a lot of times people are pushing it away because there is this fear of living up to that expectation. But the way that you're talking about it is it just is who I am and I can't even take it off, which that's kind of how I feel, too. Oh, my God, Lisa. (laughs) I mean, to me, that's. As close as my organs are. Yeah. Like it's who I am. And I don't Mm -hmm. worry about living up to an expectation because it's 
not really about me at all. Right. For me, it's the big who that I'm connected to. And that's hopefully what streams out. And when it doesn't, I tell people that hopefully I recognize that. Mm -hmm. And when I don't recognize it, hopefully I am secluded and not with people so they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, right. I'm not any different in my work than I am at home and with my friends and, you know. Except for me, like, I'm probably, I'm definitely more tearful at home. (laughs) That's the one thing that's different. My poor husband gets the brunt of my crazy. He knew he was signing up for that shit. (laughs) That's right. And he was just the man for it. Yeah, it's interesting because I've always said that he was the first person who I really feel unconditionally loved me. And I've always said that he healed me in that way. And now I've started reading more about attachment and the way that the brain creates different neural pathways based on attachment with primary caregivers and recognizing that he literally did heal my brain with unconditional love. He really did. Yes, I believe that. I know that that has happened Mm -hmm. in our marriage time and time again. Mm -hmm. And I also know that there's been times when there's been great resistance to that time and time again. Right. So much healing has taken place and could not have happened outside of relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's what it's all about. That's why I'm like so fascinated with the attachment research now that I I can Mm -hmm. dig into because- It's been just going, yes, here's the scientific reason why all of these things that you've intuitively felt like doing actually work. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you're a healer and I guess I probably already know the answer to this question, but how do you feel about the term wounded healer? I don't like it. What? That's, (laughs) girl. Okay. Why? (laughs) You know what? I've never liked it. I remember so many years ago, I was probably in my late 20s. And there is, I believe, the book is by Nowen, Wounded Healer. And it was a book that we looked a lot at in seminary. And oftentimes it was used in different trainings. And I understand the concept. And I understand the feeling of it. I think the title feels, and I know this isn't the intention or what comes after that, but it feels like it's more focused on what's wrong than what's right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's just, I don't know why. Um, That's just been a thing for me. And I always say probably in the past, the thing was I didn't want to admit my own wounds. (laughs) So it's like, I'm not going to be that. Tell me what what you like about it. Well, I want to respond to what you just said, too, because it reminds me of the conversation about the word addict or alcoholic and whether a person perceives that as empowering or disempowering. And what we know about shame is like shame is in the eye of the beholder, right? So you can't tell me what I should and should not feel ashamed about. And so if any term that feels like it's oppressing me rather than giving me freedom, then I'm not going to want to identify it. And I have many clients who tell me I am a grateful recovering addict or alcoholic. And if I had not 
taken on that word for myself, I wouldn't have healed myself. And I have the opposite people who say, if I did take that on, that would crush me and I wouldn't be able to seek recovery. So I think for me, it gives me permission because growing up, it, it sounds like we had, you know, similar kind of messages in our household that everything needed to look good at all times and do not be smirched the family name. Do not take anything outside mm-hmm. of the house. Everything's fine here. That's the message that needs to go outside. And so for me, being able to identify as a wounded healer makes me be able to say, I'm just as fucked up as everybody else. And because of the things that I have suffered, I am able to help other people. And if I don't identify as a wounded healer, then for me, the risk is thinking I'm better than other people or that oh, I have the answer. Okay. So it's funny how I feel like we get to the same end with it, but from it for a different reason, you know? Exactly. I agree with everything that you said. And that's how I live. That's what right. I think. That's what I share. Mm-hmm. So yes, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. It's just so fascinating to me, the meaning of words, and it's not even the words, it's the energy associated with them. Like that's the other thing I really want to figure out how to study, right? Because if you and I can have the same feeling about how we move through the world, but have completely opposite understandings of the term wounded healer, that's fucking fascinating. Yes. And I think for me too, when I think about it, it is also cultural for me Mm -hmm. because I think that maybe when I think of that word wounded, I think of oppressive and oppression. And culturally, there's enough of that and always has been in terms of the messaging. And so I'm always sharing about how our mess is made beautiful. So it's it's the same thing. So you're right. I think it's the word and how I interpret it. Now you're going to make me go do a big old word study on this. I know, right? Because <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then my house doesn't get straight. <laughs> All other kinds of <laughs> I'll send you my house cleaner because, yeah. You know what? Off Offline, that'll be really good yeah, right. because mine is moving and I need somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Done. I will send her your way, right? Okay. Yeah. I read this book called Power Versus Force and the way that a friend told me about it and the guy was studying levels of consciousness and the levels of consciousness have different words associated with them. And when she showed me this image, that's words like shame, guilt, fear, and then numbers associated with them. And it made so much sense to me because what words embody the most destructive energy? And how do we move kind of through these different levels in order to, because what his theory is, is essentially, unless you're, I think courage is the level at which we're then putting more positive energy into the world than we're taking. Is this Hawkins? It might be. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. It might be. But he's got another book too, Letting Go. Yeah. But I know that book And you can feel it in your own body, right? Oh, my. Yeah. When I read the book, I could tell my vibration was higher just by reading the book. Yeah. You can feel it. Yeah. 
And like my vibration is higher right now just talking to you. Yes, right. And that's one of the things that I definitely feel like I get high off this podcast because mm-hmm. I do get to resonate and vibrate with other people who are really in it. And that's exactly what I want to share with listeners too. Like that's why I started mm-hmm. the podcast when I was on Andrea's show and getting that feedback that like, oh, you know, what you said was just so amazing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, dude, I have these conversations all the time. Why don't I just record them? Right. <laughs> I'm not right. special. <laughs> I know a lot of cool people. I love your podcast. <laughs> and in fact, I've sought out services from Yay! a couple of people from your podcast. Who? All right, now I'm having my over 50 moment. (laughs) Where you remember when you went, of course, you remember when you talked to your dad? Yeah. Oh, Aaron. Yes, Aaron Deedling. Aaron. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And so I went to visit Aaron Deedling. Oh, good. It was so amazing because there were pieces of information that I wanted to connect with related to my dad, but it became so much more than that. Oh, right. And then that was just awesome. And Mm -hmm. then the body worker. Oh, Sarah. uh, Right, right. Yes. Yes. And so Sarah, I had seen her website like a long, long, long time ago. But then when I saw her on your podcast and could hear what she was saying, it was like, oh, yeah. And lots of healing and insight and understanding has come as a result of having sessions with her. So I love podcasts. I love the questions that you ask. I love just the kind of connection that you're able to make with a variety of people. Oh, thank you. Well, let's talk about Mm -hmm. your podcast. Let's get some crossover here. So when I think of you, I think of you as my podcast angel. And the reason I remember so well that time when we actually met and sat down and spent time was because I was sharing with you, like, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. And my fear was getting in the way of it. And basically, fear was getting in the way of it because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have the command of it. And I never realized, like, hello, there are people that yes. do. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until you said, hello, call Andrea Klunder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she will help you. Uh-huh. And so for me, again, Sarah, it's been another part of my healing because yeah. it allowed me to face a fear and walk through a fear. And so I thank you for that, because this is a thought that I've had for years. There wasn't too many things that I needed to create because I've been writing for years and never made space or even considered. And this is my history, asking for help. It wasn't that I existed. Right. I never even like I thought, Okay, I have to figure all this out on my own. I've got to podcasting. I've got to do the editing. Mm-hmm. I've got to do mm-hmm. with no knowledge of any of it. Right. And so my podcast is Inside Out Conversations. And it's just me on there. And the reason for that is I said I wanted to make sure that I like this. Yeah. <laughs> and admit it to it before I start bringing other 
you know, people into this path. Yeah. And so I knew that originally the thought was I wanted to share things with people related to changing their stories and not just talking about it, but providing tools and more particularly people that may never make it to a therapist's office for whatever Mm. reason to share that information in practical, everyday, understandable language and to be committed to talk about it somewhere in the podcast, how I related my personal experience and what it's evolved to. And I don't think it's evolved. I don't even think that's the right word. (laughs) What I have finally agreed to Mm. (laughs) is it's not that men can't listen, but it really is for women. Mm. And it is for women that are, for whatever reason, hesitant about their next step that have not known that shame can be healed, that you're not too old, you can still do this, or you're not too young. You know, here are the things that are getting in the way that are old messages that without knowing it, you've adopted them and repeated them now to yourself. And it really is about, I mean, I almost feel like a midwife for just helping women continuously birth their dreams because Mm. hello, the universe Mm -hmm. is telling us yeah, this is the time for women to emerge. Yeah, it absolutely is. Oh, that's awesome. I love that you're intentionally speaking to an audience who, for whatever reason, may be hesitant to go to therapy. I may not even think of it. Right. You know, just like I didn't think about asking for help. I mean, it's just like, or may not even know because these sometimes things can be going well in your life. And people sometimes equate therapy with oh, I don't need to go to therapy if things are going well in my life. And there's this itch that I can't reach. There's something else that I know that I am supposed to be doing. There's a desire, there's a passion, and I don't know what that connects with. Right. It doesn't mean that the rest of my life is something I'm trying to run away. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like <laughs> the way that I describe it to some of my clients is that you win a level in a video game and then you get to go to the next level. That's kind of how I feel yes. like it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But instead of going exactly. up, we're going down. We're digging deeper. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that we can go up. Right, exactly. And just be expansive. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So ladies, you heard it here. You need to go check out Inside Out Conversations. That's right. And an Inside mm-hmm. Out Conversation will soon be in person. My desire, my vision, my hope is to set up conversation circles. Yeah. There's something, they're not just talking about it, but in the process of conversing, we're transforming. Yeah. And it's a conversation that is beyond words Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. people can continue or on their own or create conversations that are facilitated, you know, by me or others for a period of time. And then my big, big thing is that we're going to have inside out conversations at a venue 
where we can take that conversation and give action to it. Yeah. Well, and just like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast is that we heal in relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you're creating an invitation. Exactly. Yeah. Will you come? Ah, duh. (laughs) That's not even a question that needs to be asked. You know, I am a huge fan and will absolutely support anything that you do. Yeah. And it's ditto for you. Thank you. We're coming to the end of the hour. I feel like our souls just kind of like they're little Lego pieces and they just snap together so quickly (laughs) in this conversation. But is there anything that we didn't talk about that you really want to make sure you share with listeners? Well, I guess a couple of things. And I just thought about it when you asked is one of our primary works. And when I say ours, mine and my husband is inside out living and we are an addiction and trauma healing center, and we provide an abundance of services at InsideOutRecovery.com. Our most prevalent addiction that we deal with is sex, love, porn addiction, and fidelity. Mm-hmm. And then the Inside Out Conversations is the podcast, and you can listen on InsideOutConversations.com. Mm-hmm. And I love, 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 love what I do because it's who I am. Right. Yeah. It's not what I do. It's who I am. I think that's going to have to be the title of this episode. Mm. Yeah. That's nice. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things that Andrea bugs me about and bugs is a strong word, but she just laughs at the love fests that happen at the end of each episode. (laughs) So once you start having guests, I bet that's going to happen to you too. And recently she's like, I think we need to have like a compilation of all of the like love fests that happen (laughs) just as its own episode. (laughs) Talk about like raising your vibration. Like if I could listen to that and how much love we're spreading in the world just by sharing it with each other. Yes, I love it. Yes. Oh, well, thank you, Lisa, so much. It's been a long time coming, but I'm glad we finally got to do this. Me too, Sarah. You take care. You too. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today. It's hard to describe how much of an honor it is to feel like I get to sit next to people who have the reputation, the experience, and the wisdom that somebody like Lisa does. One of the things that I find so special about the mentors in my life is that they never make me feel like they are my mentor. I imbue that onto them. To find more about Lisa, you can visit our website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. And thank you as always to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for that album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Thanks again. Until next time. Bye-bye.